Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome to Found Flicks. On this ending explain, we're looking at Unwelcome, where married couple Maya and Jamie escape their urban nightmare to the tranquility of rural Ireland, only to discover malevolent and murderous goblins lurking in the gnarled ancient woods at the foot of their new garden. Dramatic. Unwelcome has a lot of different tones and styles mashed together. Now it mostly works, but what really makes this one stand out is the red cap creatures, and perhaps it's most closest in style to something like the Gate or Gremlins, but with more gore. It does struggle a bit to balance the comedy with a darker tone all about the idea of violence and just how would one react if their family is put in danger. It does explore this concept with some depth through our lead couple as well as the other family that they cross paths with. But it's in Act 3 that things really explode into a thrilling new direction that is absolute madness in the best way possible. That's all thanks to the charming evil little red caps. They have great practical designs and hilarious killer personalities that really bring the movie to a satisfying level of insanity and gore. I might wish that we had more of the red caps featured, but the buildup actually makes it work better in my opinion, making this a total blast overall. So let's check out Unwelcome, breaking down the story, everything we learned about the red caps, the important themes of violence at play, and explaining the ending. Somewhere in urban London, a couple is about to have their lives change forever. Maya is sitting on the toilet and psychs herself up to take a pregnancy test. Her partner, Jamie, is anxious for the results, but nothing yet. We get a glimpse into their joking playful banter. With him scoffing they had all that incredible sex for nothing. She tells him that it's okay to be nervous and he denies that he is. It's always me and you versus the rest of the world, he gushes, and she agrees. Imagine with the three of us the world won't stand a chance, he smirks. An alarm chimes and the results are ready. She takes a deep breath and cocks her head. After a few tense moments, it's yes, she reveals. They're over the moon and Jamie goes to fetch some Prosecco, non-alcoholic of course. As soon as he steps outside, he stops in his tracks when coming to some unsavory looking characters. They harass him on the way into the shop, getting right up in his face. This must happen frequently, and Jamie doesn't respond to their annoyance. He grabs some bubbly, and the guy is back to bug him again. He throws some trash to get a rise out of Jamie, but he keeps his cool. Until he finally snaps, it's Prosecco, go fuck yourselves, he growls. Back in the restroom, Maya hears obvious fighting and scuffling outside, and she locks the door. She calls the police about the break-in, and the door gets smashed right in. The guy drags her out by the hair, throwing her down on a table. They kick her to the ground, and she grabs a knife, telling them to stay back. The leader is curious if she's really pregnant like Jamie said, and holds up his hand, dropping the knife. He gets closer, goading her to take him out. Let's find out if you're nice or nasty, putting the blade to his throat. She hesitates, and fortunately, they are saved by the sounds of the approaching police. She collapses to the ground, taking Jamie in her arms, sobbing. Well, that was pretty scary, and the point is all about violence. What do you do when it comes into your home, and how do you react when your family is in danger? Interestingly, it was Maya who attempted to stand up to the others, while Jamie was too terrified to act whatsoever. This all will come into even further importance for the couple going forward. We leave the decaying hellscape of London for the Irish countryside, focusing in on an old, peculiar-looking door out in the woods. As we pull out further, there's a woman lying on the ground dead with a tray. Paramedics rush to check her breathing, and another lady, Niam, watches over the scene, turning away and getting upset at her friend's passing. From something's low POV, they watch through a crack in the wall while the body is taken away. Niam stares back, and they shirk into the shadows. Turns out the woman was Jamie's Aunt Maeve, and she actually left her quite large estate to her nephew. They drive out to the country, and Jamie can't get over just how green it is out here. She reminds him that his aunt did just die, and he acknowledges this, but also she did leave them a nice house with a huge garden. They arrive to the house that backs up into a massive wilderness that stretches seemingly forever, all the way out into some lush mountains 
mountains. Niam takes him on a tour of the grounds, and Jamie is stoked. We're proper country bumpkins now. Maya apologizes for him and is curious about a hole in the roof that needs repair. Jamie pipes up that he can do it, but she knows that's a no-go. Niam brings up his aunt. She always liked him, but really loved Maya. They ask how well she knew Maeve, and she gets a bit tense, calling her a funny one. She has something else to show them, warning that it is a bit strange. They are brought to that ominous door, and Jamie remembers it from when he was a kid. Maeve would never allow them to go in there. They want to know if they can now, and Niam gets serious. Maeve believed in the so-called old ways, and would leave a blood offering here daily. You know, just a bit of liver or some such. Maya's taken aback. Who is the offering for exactly? The little people, she explains. They're like, uh, you mean leprechauns or what? No, not exactly. They are the far derig or red caps. They're further baffled. Aunt Maeve thought these little people lived out in the woods? Niam describes his aunt's life as one of sorrow, and she did indeed have a child of her own. She divulges that her husband passed from pneumonia, and then the child soon after. Maeve blamed himself for the losses, believing that it was punishment for turning her back on the old ways. She fell in love and had a family, but importantly forgot to respect the little people. Well, don't do that. You gotta respect the little people. Jamie had no idea about any of that, and Niam stresses the importance of the ritual, wanting them to continue the offering every day. Maya offers that she can do it. She was gifted the house. It's the least they can do in return. Although afterwards, it's clear that they don't take it seriously, joking if she packed any raw liver. Nope, that's the one thing I forgot, they laugh. Jamie takes in the fact that this is their house now. She sighs, thinking that they would have never gotten out of the dangerous city. He promises her that was all in the past, and he's never going to let that happen again. We're safe here. Just you, me, and the little one. Yeah. While unpacking in a room, Maya encounters a bird at the window. She shoes it away, knocking off a photo that gives her pause. She shows it off to Jamie later, and he remembers that it used to be on the mantle. His aunt would do a cross every time that she looked at it. They assume that it must be her child. We see the photo is indeed of a young child clutching a teddy and must be Maeve's daughter. They venture to the nearby quaint town, and Maya attempts to hire a contractor to repair the roof. She wants him to come out as soon as possible, and the lady literally laughs at her for what an absurd request it is. Yeah, I guess not too many contractors out in rural Ireland. The shopkeep knew Maude as well, and she actually helped him with his gout back in the day, him insisting to comp their groceries. Back on the road, they're both happy with how nice everyone is here, and something catches his eye. Knowing they need to get that hole fixed ASAP, it does rain here all the time. After all, they happen upon another contractor who might be able to lend a hand. They approach a trailer and get spooked by a pooch that scares them half to death, followed by a burly man emerging from the trailer. Yeah, they might regret that choice. They wander the local pub, and the place goes dead silent upon their entry. Everyone gives them tense stares, and then the mood changes. They all toast and cheer to the newest residents. I was worried they'd be like weirdo culties or something. Phew, just nice, simple Irish folk. The people will come up to the couple one by one, offering gifts and words of encouragement. They get into a convo with another local Rory, mumbling drunkenly that that house must be in shambles. It didn't even get electricity until the millennium. Seriously, jeez. He even somehow knows about the roof hole and also knows how hard it will be to get it fixed. The workers are always too busy around here. She brings up that they did find someone, a Colm Whelan. He wheezes loudly at the mention of the name and then changes his tune, saying, ah, they're fine. Sure, they might get a little out of control on occasion, but daddy keeps them under control. Though he warns not to leave Maya alone with the lads, they'd be all over her. Ah, sounds like a really reputable company. The couple are uncomfortable and Rory feebly tries to recover by saying, oh, you're not actually that beautiful. So, you know, you're fine. They don't like Ugmos, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> awkward. Naim escorts the drunken sack out and brings up the ritual. What did you leave them? They admit that they forgot about it and promise that they'll do it as soon as they get home. Naim pulls her aside to again stress the importance here. Maya knows that she did make a promise and mentions what happened back in London. They were almost killed. Naim had of course no idea, expressing empathy for their situation. But Maya doesn't need it. She refuses to be scared in her house anymore, especially with the impending child. She knows she did mess up and recommits to doing as told, now realizing how serious it is. It appears to be much more than superstition, as Naya reveals that she's actually seen one of the little buggers herself. Maya is confused, referencing the myths of Leprechaun, and she's told these are not your typical jolly old elves. They're hungry and need feeding every day. It looks like the red caps are already busting loose when seeing Rory making his way home. His dog runs off on its own, and he feebly chases after, but is way too hammered to keep up. He starts slurring a folk song to himself, totally in his own little drunken world. As he passes by a church, we see a small figure leap from the roof and slink along the building. At the edge of the woods, he hears Molly whimpering, which lures him in. He comes to what sure looks like a child facing away and sobbing. Rory chides him for being out well past his bedtime, and the creature spins back with a startling BOO! Rory falls to the ground, and it cackles evilly, overtaking him. Later, Maya is awoken to shrieking downstairs and rouses Jamie. He leaps into protective man mode, but then realizes it's just the Whalen family here to get started on their construction. Without telling them, and you know, breaking into their house and everything, not necessarily a good first impression really, they're surprised to see them, and Daddy relays that they just lost another job. So why waste any time? Let's get to work. Jamie weakly mentions that the roof is the priority, not the kitchen, but Daddy informs them those materials aren't here yet. Maya is curious about the crew. Are they all brothers and sisters? As for Killian and Ash, they are, but the lumbering simple Owen has a different mama. Maya is busy fetching some tea for the patriarch and calls him by his name, which he doesn't like, correcting to call him daddy several times. Uh, kind of weird. The couple discuss as much afterwards, and Jamie wants to do something if he brings it up again. She kind of razzes on him. Oh, what are you going to do? Fight him? He agrees that he won't start a fight, but he can definitely finish one. Ooh, with your big cricket bat, she eggs him on. She thinks it's probably in their best interest to not rile the man, and picks up some liver at the store, you know, just in case. Certainly, the Whalen family already appear suspect, but while left on their own to work, they prove to be even more boundary-pushing than anticipated, at least Killian. He appears to be casing the joint for valuables, emptying a coin tray. He follows that up by taking a big old fat dump, digging around in the drawer some more. In there, he discovers a vibrator with a chuckle, and gives it a curious lick and kiss. Uh, yeah, dude is gross. At Auntie's grave, the father fills him in that there has been a place of worship here since way back in the time of the Druids. Even Oliver Cromwell could not stamp out their faith. If you don't know Oliver Cromwell, in this context, they're referring to him with England's guidance leading a reconquest of Ireland in the 1600s. Basically, British people are not seen in the best light by the Irish. My pathetic Texas boy understanding of hundreds of years of European history there. <laughs> Brendan inquires if this is their first child, and there is a bit of touchy personal history there. Maya did get pregnant with a guy in her teens, but he was not father material. So she made the <coughs> difficult decision but doesn't regret it. Their lives would have been horrible otherwise. As for her new baby, however, she could not be more excited and wants this so much. While the father cannot approve of her actions, he does offer that she hopes they find peace here. Thanks. They arrive at Maeve's grave, also including her husband and little one. Jamie leaves some flowers on her grave, thanking her for leaving the house. He foolishly asks just how the arrangement is in there exactly. Are they all stacked up like Lego or what? Brendan 
lets them down that they are all side by side. You know, normally how you'd be buried. But curiously for the child, they have a stone as the body was never recovered. That's strange because they were told that she died from pneumonia. Hmm, must be some long buried family secrets there. Trouble is already a brewing when they notice Nime on the side of the road. She glumly tells them that Rory didn't make it home last night. For now, she's not too concerned. He's probably passed out drunk in the woods somewhere, but it's Pooch Molly's whereabouts that are cause for worry. They take the opportunity to bring up what the father told them. The child did die of pneumonia, right? Nime spills that Maeve actually made a bargain with the Red Caps to save her dying husband. Yet as it goes, a lot of times with magical wishes, it came with a price, and the Red Caps took her baby. The pair try to reconcile in reality what Maeve did. Maybe it was a postnatal depression kind of thing? Some moms do harm, and Maya angrily interrupts that she loved the child, and she would never do anything like that. After the baby disappeared, Maeve devoted her life to leaving offerings to the Red Caps, all in the hopes of keeping the monsters on the other side of the wall. Jamie can't believe that she was a baby killer, and Maya again defends her as she saw something similar, how violence can burst out from mothers. When she was a child, her mom punched some dude unconscious to protect her. Moms do some crazy shit. She playfully punches him in the arm. Don't fuck with mama bear, she jokes. He tries to feign that it didn't hurt, fibbing that he's fine. It obviously did. Your wife's stronger than you. Deal with it, Jamie. The Wayland family continue to hone their questionable reputation, found sharing a dube out on the front steps. Jamie tries to put his foot down about it, and they attempt to turn the tables on him. You know how many English have come to this country and told us what's ours? You know, Cromwell, famines, two famines, in fact. When the English like the look of something, they either buy it cheap or steal it. Jamie ribs them for the obvious chip on their shoulders and points out the futility behind the argument. He's Iris, not English. The siblings can't believe it initially, and then remember the mad old maid mod that killed her kid. In that case, he's essentially only one quarter Irish, really. Very impressive, they scoff. We're in the presence of Michael Collins himself. It's later that they find that Killian left them a present. As in not flushing the toilet, yeah, what the hell, dude? It's like being offensive and annoying is one thing, but leaving me a deuce for later in my house? That's a full-on insult, you know what I'm saying? Even more alarming than Rogue number twos. Owen is there watching her through the window, getting ready for her bath. She doesn't notice, staring intently at her reflection. Showing how the night of the break-in still affects her, she flashes back to the violence. Just thinking about it causes her to break down, and she finally notices the leering dude shouting for her hubby. Daddy downplays his boy's actions as harmless, and Maya plays things down too. She was just scared. He excuses that their mother recently died, and languishes that she could always keep them in line, without even uttering a single word. Meanwhile, his style of parenting is a little more hands-on, play acting that he's beating Jamie up. Maya is taken aback once more, hoping that he isn't talking about abusing his adult children. No children should be abused, but it's somehow even more twisted that they're fully grown, showing just how tight his grip is on the family in that sense. Kind of terrifying, really. Jamie has his own grievances to air. The siblings ate all of his chocolate biscuits. Daddy scoffs with disdain, apologizing about his precious chalky biscuits. He takes his leave until the morning, and Maya wishes him goodbye by a surname. Once more, he's annoyed, stopping in his tracks and growling to call him daddy. Okay, Jesus, dude. I mean, daddy, daddy, dude, damn it. Mm. On their own, Jamie groans that they ate all of his grapes too. And only now does Maya bring up the porcelain present courtesy of Killian. If that isn't bad enough, they are shoddy craftsmen to boot. Jamie goes to open a freshly done cabinet door only for it to completely fall off. Reaching his limit, Jamie unloads on a punching bag to violently get his aggression out in at least a more safe way. There's not just the meddlesome family to deal with, but those mystical creatures supposedly dwelling just beyond their garden. Maya leaves an offering of liver in earnest, making good on her promise to Niam. The door creaks open hearing mischievous laughter on the other side. She slams it closed and sees the liver has already been consumed, meaning there's definitely something out there. 
That ain't no fairy tale. In the morning, the Waylands are back for more schmuckery. Naturally, including a nice dube to get the day started on the right foot. The real trouble comes when clumsy Owen accidentally knocks a pipe through a window, shattering it. Jamie comes out huffing and puffing. He tries to be taken seriously, barking for them to go. Once more, my attempts to deflate things, it was just an accident. Ash can see right through Jamie's tough guy facade, poking him, are you frustrated or what? Jamie fires back that they're thieves, drawing Killian's ire. Maya holds him back and moves to comfort Owen, still hoping to defuse things. No need for violence, y'all. We then see Daddy's needlessly violent style, socking Owen and kicking him while he's down. Maya pulls him off, urging, hey, we don't do that in my home. He argues that they're his kids, he can do whatever he wants to him. He goes back for more abuse, and she resolutely pulls him away, finally leaving Owen alone. JB tries to puff his chest to Maya, but she's frustrated by his behavior and doesn't even want to talk to him. She leaves the house to do some gardening, and Owen stares after, looking like he's got a little bit of a crush. Tending to the plants, there's a distinct dog barking heard from the other side of the door. She walks right through it, emerging in the dense forest. The barking returns, and she chases after the sounds, getting deeper and deeper into the woods. Out of nowhere, Molly comes running up all excited. She found the pooch at least, but what about Rory? Molly barks, and it looks like she wants her to follow her somewhere. At the house, Daddy is ready to dispense some more of his particular version of parental advice, and Owen runs off. He warns to make it back before the end of the day, or they're leaving him out here all on his own. Molly is still leading Maya through the woods, and she is growing tired. She catches up, coming to a long, almost tunnel of trees in a distinct row. She spins back, and suddenly it's the same behind her. Confused, she encounters a building at the end of the tree hall. Particles start floating around her, and she comes up on a stone igloo. She clearly hears Molly barking inside, and crawls right into the tiny homestead. She's immediately overwhelmed by a foul stench. There's an ominous spiral staircase leading further downwards, and Molly is there barking for her to follow. Maya has reached her limits. The madness is all too much. She happens upon an upset Owen, and she is immediately there to provide support. He glumly states that his daddy hates him, and showing how much he really does, reveals some serious bruises courtesy of his papa. She doesn't understand why he would do that, and he complains that according to his dad, when he was born, he killed his mama. Should have been him instead of her, he was told. Jesus, she groans, apologetic to the obvious abuse. He cries that the rest of his family aren't like him. He's not cool or funny. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you sure about that? You sure about that they're cool? Have you met your family? She tries to encourage him that that's not the case, and he argues that she doesn't really know him. She does, in her own way, know what bullies are capable of. They make you feel worthless. She wants to tell someone about it, but he refuses. No one must know. She continues building him up. You gotta be strong. He knows he is physically, and she clarifies, uh, mentally strong? Yeah, might be, uh, out to lunch on that one. Oh, and a surprise, as according to his dad as well, the English are all selfish, greedy cunts. But hey, she's alright. She thanks him with a chuckle, and he takes her hands in his grip, blubbering, no one's been this nice to him before. Uh-oh. He turns sinister, growling that he really likes her, and overpowers her to the ground. She screams for help, and her voice echoes through the trees. Now, we don't see what happens, but somehow both her and Molly are able to escape, slamming the door closed behind her. Jamie is back with his punching bag, getting out more aggression, and Maya shouts for him. She has something to show him, and leads him to where Owen tried to kill her. Jamie explodes when hearing this, threatening to kill the oaf, but she reveals that he's already dead. She explains that the fabled little people emerge from the woods, wearing cloaks and wielding knives. Jamie doesn't believe the outlandish story, placing the blame on her baby brain. Frustrated, she shows off where he was dragged along with some blood left behind. He's still doubtful. I mean, does his version or hers sound more plausible? She doesn't exactly help her case, mentioning that it was Molly that led them to their hut. He thinks that she's just stressed and needs to take it easy. However, she doesn't back down, and he snaps at her. She's noticed the more aggressive nature that he's had lately. He's shouting more and more 
more violent, which is not the guy that she married. He retorts, well, look where that got him. He saw those guys threatening his family and couldn't do a thing. As a man, this was particularly hard for him to deal with, and that's why he promised her to never let it happen again. Well, too bad for that. He goes off on his own to the pub to let off some steam, but the peace is short-lived. He overhears his siblings leaving a message for their missing brother. Niam thinks they should call the police, but that's not how the Waylands do things. They then turn their investigation to Jamie, believing that he must have more info on what happened. He says that he doesn't know, and Ash sizes him up. As her bro says, she can sniff outliers. She lays into his constantly frustrated and uptight nature, and is confident that he is hiding something. They cause enough of a commotion that Niam bars them from the pub for life. They stress once more, if he remembers anything, go to them and only them. And now Maya's crazy story isn't sounding so crazy after all. Maya fetches a glass of water and does some slow breathing to calm herself down. She's brought back to the forest attack, seeing Owen attempting to strangle her until he is yoinked away across the forest floor. At the back door, she's shocked to see a little hand reaching up for the handle. In steps a little goblin troll guy, a red cap in the flesh. She is flabbergasted at the sight and backs into the wall. The guy strolls right up to her and gives her belly a big sniff. It can tell she's pregnant, grunting, oh, mama, we got baby. Turn into Star Wars out of nowhere there. It plops down a grocery bag and leaves. On the way out, Maya does manage to snap a few photos before it's gone. She opens up the bag, finding Owen's head inside. It's almost like a cat giving its owner a present. The Redcaps must have heard her calling for help and decided to lend a hand. Meanwhile, a boozed up Jamie cheerfully leaves the bar, heading into the dark streets. At home, he's all drunk and chatty, and Maya grabs him to show him the present. He takes a peek in the bag, howling, that's a head! She details how the little guy came and dropped off the bag like a pizza delivery boy. She did get some photos, but somehow they didn't turn out properly. She then gets down to brass tacks with him. The little people are real, but they've got even more pressing matters as headlights are seen approaching. It's none other than the Whelan's daddy angrily demanding to tell them what happened. Jamie mumbles that he had nothing to do with it, which daddy latches onto with what? Jamie tells him to leave or call the police. And it sounds like daddy agrees, rounding up the kids, but not so sure I believe him. He was lying, throwing a rock through the window. Jamie shrieks they can't do this, and daddy argues that when it comes to his family, he can do anything. See, same kind of thing we've seen from Maya and Jamie's side. What will you do if your family's put in danger? Whatever it takes. Jamie hurriedly locks all the doors as the family lay a ladder out front. Daddy says that he can't understand if there was some kind of accident or he touched this lady, but he just has to tell him what happened and daddy will make sure to punish his boy good. Maya attempts to sneak out the window with the head bag, but runs into Ash. She drops it and she sees what befell her brother, assumedly done by the couple. Daddy offers Jamie one last chance to come out, but the diplomacy is cut short when Ash brings him the boy's head. Owen! He screams so loud that it echoes out into the woods. Maya runs out there to hopefully enlist her little buddy's assistance once more. She better hurry too, as the vengeful family busts into the house. Daddy orders them to fuck this place up, lighting a Molotov cocktail while Ash gets to work smashing things with a hammer. Jamie holds up in a room and blocks the door with a dresser. It's Killian that he gets to tussle with, who surprises him by dropping from the ceiling and knifing his shoulder. Jamie does his best to put his frying pan to work and whaps him upside the head. He manages to disarm him, but Killian still is required to make fun of him for his choice of weapon. Why not try out a real one, he suggests, teasing him. Just like that opening attack moment, unlike then, Jamie goes for the gut, but immediately apologizes. He completely breaks down. This isn't fair. All he wanted was some peace for his family. Killian is disgusted by his tears. Well, when you fight like a girl, you get screwed like a girl. He unleashes a pummeling of punches upon him. Maya is still fruitlessly searching for the redcaps and makes it to their hut. She begs for their help and offers anything to do so. I'm already like, uh, 
you might regret that lady. What about the baby? They want the baby. Daddy comes in to join in on the fun. All he wants is the rest of Owen so he can have a proper burial. Jamie squeaks that he doesn't know, but daddy knows that Maya does. To get him talking, he jams his thumb into Jamie's fresh stab wound. He relents to tell them, but isn't sure they're gonna like the answer. It's the Redcoats, he informs them, and they're all like, what? Getting annoyed, Daddy says that he did come here to kill him, but perhaps he won't if he does spill the beans. Ash is still busy smashing stuff, and the fire is suddenly extinguished, quickly filling the room with dark black smoke. She flees outside and happens to run right into Maya. She shouts for her daddy that she found him, and with terrible timing, Maya's water breaks. Not now, she groans. Well, in that case, there's no need to keep Jamie alive, and Daddy tasks his son with taking him out. Time to become a man. You're not a real man until you kill somebody as we all know. Man, this guy's nuts. Killian brings a knife to his throat, and thinking it's the end, Jamie squeals that he loves his wife. Well, that's sweet at least. He saved just in the nick of time, seeing a small silhouette looming in the ceiling hole. It leaps down and pounces on Killian's back. They knock it loose with a cricket bat and try to figure out what the heck it is. The red cap unleashes little throwing knives upon them, doing little damage. Daddy scowls for his boy to go fetch his gun. No, no. daddy, no, daddy. the creature cries, no. and he splatters its little head with his bat. So a one red cap isn't exactly the most threatening, a whole gaggle of them is another matter. In the middle of choking Maya, a horde of them appear from the trees, teaming up on Ash. Downstairs, Killian sees another cap busting in. He runs to grab a weapon, settling on a cleaver. He hides in wait behind the door, and the cap scampers in. He gets him with a surprise chop right into the head. He goes back for the blade, really relishing torturing the little creature. Two more appear for revenge and tackle him to the ground. Outside, they have Ash tied up Gulliver's Traveler style, but she's still not exactly scared of the caps. Shows what you know, as they work together to drag a large blade right across her stomach. They all laugh as she cries in agony. Another cackles that this is what happens to naughty girls. Ash attempts to hold her spilling intestines together, but doesn't get too far. Well, I guess these are pretty vicious little dudes after all. Dad gets his shotgun loaded and Killian sneaks by. He's decided to get the hell out of here, climbing into the truck. His dad pounds at the window to open up and another red cap lying in wait slits his throat, spraying blood everywhere. Dad smashes the window and grabs his boy out of the truck. It's not much use, and he soon gurgles away. His dad surprisingly opens up, telling him for the first time apparently that he's proud of him. Yep, thanks dad, I'm dead. Could have told me that earlier. Jamie had been hiding under the bed and decides to make a break for it. He comes outside to the red caps feeding on Ash and wallops one in the head. No hitting, silly Billy, it tells him hilariously. Mike explains they helped him, and he can't believe that they're actually real. Daddy storms on the scene, blowing a critter away, and causes the others to scatter. Seeing Ash dead too leaves him furious. Jamie does attempt to stand up for the pair, putting his fist up and asking to settle this like men. Daddy isn't interested in that, winging him in the shoulder. Well, nice try, Elise. Kind of. The red caps, dad grunts. His mom used to tell him stories. People would ask them for favors of all kinds, gold, love, but it always came with a price to pay. He tells them he's run out of regular shells and only has birdshot left, meaning that he can't kill them like he wanted to, but it could kill her child. A kid for a kid, he grumbles, putting the barrel to her tummy. Molly comes out of nowhere with a perfect save, chomping on daddy's arm. Maya wrangles the gun and asks him back how close does she need to get and fires, blowing his face to smithereens. Well, that worked. The red caps later return and drag the body's way to feast upon. At least the family is no longer of concern, but Maya soon starts going into labor. In the morning, she's still pushing, and he finally yanks that sucker out of there. The new family takes a moment to appreciate the peace and quiet they've been after this whole time, though there's still all the blood and rampaging to clean up around the house. He has no idea what they're supposed to tell people, and right now she doesn't care, eyeing their little bundle of joy. I think we know where this is going. Jamie starts cleaning up the crime scene, donning some noise-canceling headphones. 
headphones. Maya peeps in on the crib and goes over to the mirror. There's a glimmer of light and a red cap giggles. She rushes back in and hears the baby crying outside. She shouts for Jamie who can't hear her of course. Lousy noise canceling headphones. Maya chases the sounds back into the forest. She struggles to keep going and pushes herself ever onwards. She crawls inside of their hut and comes to a cavern below with even more little corridors. She hears her child cooing and finds an old woman with the baby at her feet. Give me that, she demands. The lady disagrees, saying that it's her baby now and that the same thing happened to her. When seeing she's holding a teddy, Maya pieces together this is Maeve's long, long missing kid, like 70 years missing or something. Maya begs to just hold her once and more red caps show up to keep her at bay. She goes for one with a rock and snatches its knife. She asks it if she's nice or nasty and impales a red cap answering the question. Not nice no more. As we've seen throughout with that theme of violence, when someone is pushed, they are capable of anything to protect those they love, especially mothers. The lady orders the others to destroy her. Maya leaps on the woman and gouges out her eyes. The red caps can only helplessly watch because they are stuck in the door frame. <laughs> so silly. It's not too big of a deal really, because as soon as the lady perishes, the red caps all fall to their knees and start worshiping Maya. Jamie runs inside, luckily finding the baby safe and sound, but there's no sign of Maya. The red caps begin chanting mother repeatedly as he cautiously steps outside. Maya smiles, he's just in time, highlighted by a red tinged sky. The caps all dance around in jubilation and Maya lowers to her knees. A floating skull, uh, where did that come from? Dumps a bunch of blood all over her body. Rain starts to pour down and she shrieks primally while thunder roars. The caps are all still dancing in celebration, Molly even getting in on the action. Jamie lets out an earth shattering scream too. Nah, sure why not? Maya sighs, finally looking at peace and can't help but laugh about the ridiculousness of what happened out here. Yeah, definitely didn't have becoming mother to a bunch of vicious little elf guys on your bingo card. Maya smiles, spinning around and looking quite comfortable in her new skin. So we obviously know now that she has become the new mother and de facto leader of the Red Caps. Not sure how that will affect the family going forward exactly, but she doesn't seem trapped in the stone igloo or anything. It's all about work-life balance, you know. Although the outcome also ties back into those big themes throughout the movie regarding violence. As has been established, the big question is, how do we react when violence enters our lives? Or in their case, even more specifically, into your own home. At every instance along the way, Jamie is always ready to confront things and escalate situations, which always proves unhelpful and makes things worse. Even the opening attack was spurned on by his mouthing off. Maya, on the other hand, is the peacemaker, constantly trying to downplay things and undo her husband's misguided choices. It's really when her baby is taken away that Maya finally reaches that point of pure violence for herself. She'll do whatever it takes, kill some old weird cave lady or little gremlin guys, doesn't matter. She has to get her kid back. In a way, it feels like the red caps actually represent violence itself, just pure mayhem unleashed without question. It's appropriate that Maya is bathed in blood as a kind of rebirth for herself, now someone who has dug deep into that darkness in order to survive and protect her family. Peace and safety, even if it does take violence. Ah well. That brings us to the conclusion of this ending explained for Unwelcome. But don't forget, before we go, you can send me requests for any movies or TV shows you'd like to see me explain by sending them my way on any of my social media accounts at Foundflix. What did you think of Unwelcome and its ending? How did you like the red caps? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow. Thanks for watching Foundflix. See you next time.